0: Hi, welcome back to Stories with Uncle Nate. Today we're starting Chapter 12, Council of War. There was a great rush of feet across the deck. I could hear people tumbling up from the cabin and the foxhole and slipping in an instant outside my barrel. I dived behind the floor sa- foresail, made a double towards the stern, and came out upon the open deck in time to joy- join Hunter and Dr. Livesey in the rush for the weather bow. All there, all hands were already congregated. A belt of fog had lifted almost simultaneously with the appearance of the moon. Away to the southwest of us, we saw two low hills about a couple miles apart and rising behind one of them, a third and higher hill whose peak was still buried in the fog. All three seemed sharp and conical in figure. So much I saw, almost in a dream, for I had not yet recovered from my horrid fear of a minute or two before, and then I heard the voice of Captain Smollett issuing orders. The Hispaniola was laid a couple points nearer the wind and now sailed a course that would just clear the island on the east. And now, men, said the captain, when all was sheeted home, has any one of you ever seen that land ahead? I have, sir, said Silver. I've watered there with a trader I was cookin'. The anchorage is on the south, behind an island, I fancy, asked the captain. Yes, sir. Skeleton Island, they calls it. It were a main place for pirates once, and a hand we had on board knowed all their names for it. That hill to the nord, they call the Foremast Hill. There are the three hills in a row running southward for main and mizzen, sir. But the main, that's the big one, with the cloud on it, they usually calls the spyglass by reason of a lookout they kept when they was in the anchorage cleanin'. For it's there they cleaned their ship, sir. Asking your pardon. I have a chart here, says Captain Smollett. Let's see if that's the place. Long John's eyes burned in his head as he took the chart, but by the fresh look of the paper, I knew he was doomed to disappointment. This was not the map we found in Billy Bones's chest but an accurate copy, complete in all things, names and heights and surroundings and soundings, with the single exception of the red crosses and the written notes. Sharp as must have been his annoyance, Silver had the strength of mind to hide it. Yes, sir, he said, this is the spot to be sure and very prettily drawn out. Who might have done that, I wonder? The pirates were too ignorant, I reckon. Aye, here it is. Captain Kidd's Anchorage, just the name my shipmate called it. There's a strong current runs along the south and then away north, up the west coast. Right you was, sir, says he, to haul your wind and keep the weather of the island. Leastways, if such was your intention, as to enter and careen, and there ain't no better place for that than these waters. Thank you, my man, says Captain Smollett. I'll ask you later on to give us a help. You may go. I was surprised at the coolness with which John avowed his knowledge of the island, and I own, I was half frightened when I saw him drawing near to myself. He did not know to be sure that I had overheard his counsel from the apple barrel, and yet I had by this time taken such a horror of his cruelty, duplicity, and power that I could scarce conceal a shudder when he laid his hand upon my arm. Ah, says he, this here's a sweet spot, this island. A sweet spot for a lad to get ashore on. You'll bathe and you'll climb trees and you'll hunt goats, you will. And you'll get aloft on them hills like a goat yourself. Why, it makes me young again. I was going to forget my timber leg I was. It was a pleasant thing to be young and have ten toes and you may lay to that. When you want to go a bit of exploring, you just ask old John and he'll put up a snack for you to take along and clapping me in the friendliest way upon the shoulder, he hobbled off forward and went below. Captain Smollett, the squire, and Dr. Livesey were talking together on the quarter deck, and anxious as I was to tell them my story, I durst not interrupt them openly. While I was still casting about in my thoughts to find some probable excuse, Dr. Livesey called me to his side. He had left his pipe below, and, being a slave to tobacco, had meant that I should fetch it, but as soon as I was near enough to speak and not be overheard, I broke immediately. Doctor, let me speak. Get the captain and squire down to the cabin and then make some pretense to send for me. I have terrible news. The doctor changed countenance a little, but the next moment he was master of himself. Thank you, Jim, he said quite loudly. That was all I wanted to know, as if he'd asked me a question. And with that, he turned on his heel and rejoined the other two. They spoke together for a little, and though none of them started or raised his voice or so much as whistled, it was plain enough that Dr. Livesey had communicated my request, for the next thing that I heard was the captain giving me an order to, jo- to Job Anderson, and all hands were piped on deck. My lads, said Captain Smollett, I've a word to say to you. This land that we have sighted is the place we have been sailing for. Mr. Trelawney, being a very open-handed gentleman, as we all know, has just asked me a word or two, and as I was able to tell him that every man on board has done his duty, allow and aloft, as I've never asked to see it done better, why he and I and the doctor are going below to the cabin to drink your health and our luck, and you'll have grog served out for you to drink our health and luck. I'll tell you what I think of this. I think it handsome and if you think as I do, you'll give a good sea cheer for the gentleman that does it. The cheer followed, that was a matter of course, but it rang out so full and hearty that I confess I could hardly believe these same men were plotting for our blood. One more cheer for Captain Smollett, cried Long John when the first had subsided, and this also was given with a will. On the top of that, the three gentlemen went below, and not long after, word was sent forward that Jim Hawkins was wanted in the cabin. I found them all three seated around the table, a bottle of Spanish wine and some raisins before them, and the doctor smoking away with his wig on his lap, and that, I knew, was a sign that he was agitated. The stern window was open, for it was a warm night, and you could see the moon shining behind the ship's wake. Now, Hawkins, said the squire, you have something to say. Speak up. I did as I was bid, and I, as short as I could make it, told the whole details of Silver's conversation. Nobody interrupted me till I was done, nor did any one of the three of them make so much as a movement, but they kept their eyes upon my face from first to last. Jim, said Dr. Livesey, take a seat. And they made me sit down at table beside them, poured out a glass of wine, filled my hands with raisins, and all three, one after the other, and each with a bow, drank my good health and their service to me for my luck and courage. Now, Captain, said the squire, you were right, and I was wrong. I own myself an ass, and I'll await your orders. No more th- I than no more an ass than I, sir, returned the captain. I never heard of a crew that meant a mutiny, but what showed signs before for any man that had an eye in his head to see the mischief and take steps according. But this crew, he added, beats me. Captain, said the doctor, with your permission, that's Silver, a very remarkable man. He'd look remarkably well from a yard arm, sir, returned the captain, but this is talk. No, this don't lead to anything. I see three or four points, and with Mr. Trelawney's permission, I'll name them. You, sir, are the captain. It is for you to speak, said Mr. Trelawney grandly. First point, began Mr. Smollett, we must go on because we can't turn back. If I gave the word to go about, they would rise at once. Second point, we have time before us, at least until this treasure's found. Third point, there are faithful hands. Now, sir, it's got to come to blows sooner or later, and what I propose is to take time by the forelock, as the saying is, and come to blows some fine day when they least expect it. We can count, I take it, on your own home servants, Mr. Trelawney. As upon myself, declared the squire. Three, reckoned the captain, ourselves make seven, counting Hawkins here. Now about the honest hands. Most likely Trelawney's own men, said the doctor, those he had picked up for himself before he lit on silver. Nay, replied the squire, hands was one of mine. I did think I could have trusted hands, added the captain. And to think they're all Englishmen, broke out the squire. Sir, I could find it in my heart to blow the ship up. Well, gentlemen, said the captain, the best that I can say. The best that I can say is not much. We must lay to, if you please, and keep a bright lookout. It's trying on a man, I know. It would be pleasanter to come to blows, but there's no help for it until we know our men. Lay to and whistle for a wind, that's my view. Jim here, said the doctor, can help us more than anyone. The men are not shy with him, and Jim is a noticing lad. Hawkins, I put prodigious faith in you, added the squire. I began to feel pretty desperate after this, for I felt altogether helpless and yet, by an odd train of circumstances, it was indeed through me that safety came. In the meantime, talk as we please, there were only seven out of the 26 on whom we knew we could rely, and out of these seven, one was a boy, so that the grown men on our side were six to their 19. That is all for today, and we will start next time with part three, my shore adventure and the continuation of Treasure Island. In the meantime, please everyone, continue to stay safe, stay healthy, wear your masks, and come back and see us soon as we continue on our story together. Thank you all, and good night.